This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 654, we're talking about your attitude during your podcast launch, especially if you're launching with a Patreon campaign. We have a cool because of my podcast story. We have an update on the roadcaster situation, and I'm going to compare two free graphic tools and let you know which one I prefer. Hit it, ladies. School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense. 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast consultant, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears and flatten the learning curve and get you going on the road to podcasting, not just podcasting, but podcasting in the right direction, in the headache-free direction. And one of the things I always like to hear And there are so many of these. When I talk to people, I go, you know, that's because of my podcast story, right? And they go, well, is it? And I'm like, yeah. And so we heard one. Every Saturday, I do a show with Jim Cullison from TheAverageGuy.tv. It's live. It's the only podcast where you can go if you happen to be up at 1030 Eastern and go over to AskThePodcastCoach.com slash live. Some people call it free podcast consulting because uh, it's free podcast consulting. We have a lot of fun over there. And Emily Prokop from The Story Behind and ePodcast Productions came on and she was talking about something really cool. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Jim knew something. And uh, check out this story because of my podcast. Emily, before you go, we got to wrap it. But you're going to be on TV. Is that what I is that what I, I heard? I am. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about it real quick. Oh, real quick. Um, yeah. Next week, I'm taking the train into New York City to go on Inside Edition. So there we go. Talk, yeah. To talk about the story behind stuff and weave it into pop culture. So, and that's going to be out in February, I think is what they're aiming for. So. Very cool. But that was an NDA, was it? We just didn't, you're not going to get, they, made, they didn't make me sign anything. So I, I guess so. They want me to build the hype. Cause you know, it's like Brad Pitt, then me. So I'll build hype. There we go. Glenn- <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm dating myself. Brad Pitt isn't even relevant anymore. No, he's- <laughs> Glenn, the geek is calling in. He has some advice yeah. for you. Okay. Um, don't be boring. There we go. Don't be boring. <laughs> so I won't be. I'll be more nervous. I'll be like, oh, oh that'd be awesome. Is, is are, are the light because that's the thing. I'm used to audio and I'm used to sitting in my office and being comfortable, <laughs> but now I have to worry about like makeup. What? <laughs> well, I, I would think they're gonna do that, maybe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's awesome though. And how did that come about? They just emailed me. They found my show and they emailed me and said, Hey, I'm from Inside Edition. We're working on this piece. We saw your book. We saw your podcast. They said podcast slash books. So they clearly found both. And um, they're like, we want to do some trivia. Did you know segments on our show? So we want you to come in and talk about some stuff. Can you send us your book and some chapters and we'll listen to your podcast. And you never know who's listening. You really so don't. Great. That's, That's great awesome. because of my podcast story. Like I gotta say, I'm going to cut this out and play it in Monday's show. <laughs> And that's exactly what I did. So, Emily, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being a regular Ask the Podcast Coach listener. You can find her at the Story Behind Podcast, as well as if you're looking for an editor, you can find her at epodcastproductions.com. And uh, what's interesting is her show, of course, if you're a regular listener of the show, you've heard Emily before because she came on to talk about how, hey, because of my podcast, I got a book deal. And now because of her podcast and her book, 
she's going to go on TV. And it'll be fun to hear how she just keeps going and going and going. But you can't get any of that unless you start. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Want to do a little follow-up from last week. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 653, I reviewed the Rode Rodecaster Pro. It's a really cool uh, piece of equipment. And one of the things that really sets it apart is it's super easy to connect your phone to take phone calls if that's the kind of interview you're doing, or you can connect to it via Skype. And I played an example last week, and somebody said, ah, the phone didn't sound that good. And uh, let me give an example, another example of that. Here's somebody calling in on a phone. This is Jonathan Bloom from weeklyawesome.com. There's no way. Nobody ever calls in. And I look over, I'm like, holy cow, we have a call. So what's your name and uh, what's your question? Hey, Dave, this is Jonathan Bloom. Of, uh, I, I just wanted to call in because I, I realized I've never, I'm never available to the live show and I wanted to add on to the conversation. And I would agree that that phone does not sound great. I don't think that has anything to do with the Rodecaster Pro, as that's just how phones sound. They don't sound great. And Jonathan was just calling in from your standard issue cell phone. But later, I plugged in the phone to the TRRS uh, direct line via a connected cable, not via Bluetooth. And it sounded much better. Here's Jonathan. Jonathan, are you on Skype on your phone then? Is that what you're doing? Yes, I'm on the on the phone. And I had a thought then. What if I don't know if Skype recording works on the phone, but if if you're worried about the interview, you could have yourself on the on the road procaster, however you do, call have the person call in on Skype, and then see have Skype record them as a backup, just in case something were to go wrong. And then just to play another great example, if somebody has a great connection, I believe this was I'm not sure if Miss Eileen was on her phone or what, but this is another Skype call. Um, so, but Miss Eileen is. Good morning. How are you? Hey. Hey. Hey, I can hear you guys sound good. Yeah, yeah Miss you Eileen, sound good too. Yeah, she sounds great. This is to me. I'm like, this is the way to go. Now again, uh, if you have issues with Skype breaking up and things like that, somebody else said they did this with a Zoom call, and that worked just as well. And of course, you can now make phone calls via Slack. So, just another example. Of, while it's really cool to have that TRRS, you know, basically for lack of a better phrase, a phone connector built into the mixer. If you're interested in this, uh, again, you can hear my review and two other people uh, that are using this particular unit at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 653, or just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash roadcaster. And right now this thing is so hot. In some cases, it's actually backordered. This thing's really seems to be fitting a niche for some people if you're looking to do a live show with call-ins and, or if you're trying to do, Hey, I have multiple co-hosts in the same spot and I don't want to have to deal with a computer because you don't need a computer then to record your podcast. I'm listening to that podcast you told me about. Podcasts. They're droning. Just get to the point, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of getting to the point, by the way, that is from the Netflix original TV show is it's weird because it's not really on TV, but anyway, called you simply you. It's very creepy, very good. And uh, what I want to talk about today that's not creepy is your attitude around launching your podcast. Now, part of this is about launching your podcast with Patreon. Now, if you're like, hey, Dave, I'm not really in this for the money. Do I need to listen to this? 
No. Well, yes. Uh, easy for me to say. There's still some things in here. Because here's the thing. Uh, a lot of podcasters now are having some success with Patreon. And if you're new to Patreon, Patreon is kind of like an ongoing crowdfunding platform. And you have different things like if you sign up for blah, 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 it's this. If you sign up for this, it's that. If you sign up for $20, I will come and wash your car. If it's, you know, $50 a month, I will, you know, take your grandmother for a walk or whatever it is. So, and uh, the thing is, in the same way that ice skaters or musicians or comedians or athletes, as I'm sitting here watching football, they make it look so easy. I mean, I just watched a guy kick a 57-yard field goal. And I'm telling you, if I went right now to kick a field goal, I would be lucky if it went three fifty-seven, you know, inches, let alone uh, yards. And my apologies for my people across the pond. It was a long kick. And it just seems like you talk into a mic, you ask people for money, and you watch the cash roll in. And the thing is, Nothing could be further from the truth. So what I want to do here is set your, let you know that you're, you're, you're heading into the dark side of the wood, shall we say? Um, let me give you an example. There is a thing in, in when you're trying to lose weight. Some people say only check the scale once a week. For me, I'm like, wait a minute, because you can do a lot of damage in a week. So, but you have to know that if you check the scale every single day, your weight goes up and down naturally. You could be doing everything perfectly right and the scale will go up. And so I say this to say, if you're going to launch your podcast with zero people listening at the beginning and also launch with a Patreon account with zero people giving you money, you got to know going in that will, that has potential to kill your attitude. Now, let me give you an example of this. Um, and, and, and there is something here. I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on Ask the Podcast Coach. And since then, I've been thinking about this. And, and that is my, my buddy Jim Cullison brought up a point. If you start at the very beginning doing your, hey, give me money pitch, for lack of a better phrase, you know, hey, if you sign up for $2, I will this and $5 and $20 and blah, blah, blah. You, you work on your pitch. And I went, you know, that's kind of a good point. And we're going to come back to that. But that is one thing that I went, okay. But have you ever been surfing through the channels? And then all of a sudden, like this warm acoustic tone comes on and you're like, ah, oh. and it's, I don't know, some folk singers, James Taylor or something like that. And you're watching it and you're like, you're remembering all the times that you heard this music growing up and you feel warm and fuzzy and you're reflecting back. And then all of a sudden, bam, Hey, I hope you're enjoying the James Taylor uh, concert for $20. You can get the James Taylor CD for $40. You can get the DVD of the performance you are watching right now. And what is it? That's right. It's a PBS pledge drive, which goes on for about the next four or five minutes. Now here's the thing to think about this. When you know, you go from enjoying the smooth tones of, of sweet baby James Taylor. <laughs> and all of a sudden, think about this. If you don't have a relationship with PBS, okay, you're just channel surfing 
This is the first time you're like, oh, I don't know. Wow, it's sweet baby James. Here we go. And you found, so there's zero relationship with this channel. I'm going to bet, I could be wrong. I have been in the past, but I'm going to bet that that interruption is quite annoying because without a relationship, pledge drives make you want to change the channel. At least it does for me. And I should say this right up front. About 80% of today is my opinion, but I'm kind of trying to base it on stuff. So I just know for me, when I see a pledge drive from a channel that I rarely watch, I'm like, ugh. So if this is your first time hearing this show and they're like, hey, how's it going? Can I sleep with you? They're like, "Um, excuse me, what? That's kind of what you're doing, isn't it? You're going right to, you're going for the home run pitch and you just met these people. It is called crowdfunding, not fund crowding. Think about that a little bit. And so just to give you a little background here, something else I thought about it. Because like it or not, you know, are we podcasters? Are we uh, online streamers? Are we, you know, what? We're, we're content creators and we're entertainers. Really, bottom line, I think that's what it is. And so for 40 years, I was a musician. Now, it was a hobby. But I did get paid at times rather nicely. And when you start a band, you need 40 songs. That's a lot of music to fill an evening. And you want people to dance. You want to play music that you sound good playing. I was always amazed with that. I was in a band once and the guy wanted to play Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues. I'm like, do we have like a big orchestra that's going to come out for that song? But you think you're in the music business and you're not when you're in a band, you're in the selling beer business and the business wants dancing thirsty people. You're also in the entertainment business. Cause if you stand there and you look at your shoes, nobody wants to, well, watch a bunch of weird musicians stare at their feet. You're like, Dave, what does this have to do with podcasting? You're the same thing here. Cause when I first started a band, it took months to learn that much music. We practiced in someone's basement for hours and we honed our craft, getting better and better with each practice. Uh, we didn't really market ourselves yet because we weren't good enough to get paid. We were meh. And I'm sorry, people aren't going to pay for <laughs> Yeah, they're just not. We didn't deliver enough value. In fact, in many of the bands I've been in, the very first gig each band would play would be free. I remember I was in a band called the Sugar Daddies, and our very first gig was for a walkathon in the middle of a football field for cancer. Like these people are walking around the track, and the more they walk, the more money they made. And we're in the middle of a football field, which I don't know if you've ever noticed, not a lot of outlets in the middle of a football field. So that was part of it. And then my favorite part is our lead singer was a chain smoker. So he's just sitting there puffing away at the cancer <laughs> walkathon. And but the point being, when you first start out, sometimes you got to do stuff for free. And when we were ready to mark the band, we didn't go for the big, 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 big venues yet because we knew we still had a long way to go. And after three years of consistently gigging, we developed a relationship with our audience. We had perfected our stage moves and we were fun to watch. And we knew the songs that our audience wanted to hear. And consequently, yeah, we were headlighting outdoor events and we're making some decent, decent, we're making decent money. And uh, we delivered value in an entertaining fashion. 
And so while launching a Patreon campaign allows you to practice your pitch, that's true. And it gets your audience used to hearing you uh, do a pledge drive in the episodes. There are a few things to consider. So here's one. You may find, and this is what I'm worried about. You may find yourself focusing more on the Patreon rewards. Ooh, what should I do for the $5? What should I do for the 10? Or maybe I should do this. Or And you're really focusing on the money part. And the problem is very little of that work is going to inspire your audience to tell a friend, right? The goal when you first start is to get listeners. The other thing that I thought about that, and when you know that whole practicing your pitch thing, I never thought about that. But here's the other thing. You can practice your pledge drive pitch in the basement. You can do that before you hit record. You can write that out. That doesn't really take that much practice. And I went, yeah, that's a good point. Here's another one. You don't have a relationship with this audience. And yet you're asking them for a favor. Jonathan Oakes from uh, Trivial Warfare, great guy, phenomenal Patreon account. And he says, look, until somebody's asking you, hey, how do I like support your show? That maybe you shouldn't. And again, that's all opinion. If you want to start with a Patreon account, you can just realize now that not only are your download numbers not going to be probably where you expected, but you're going to have a giant goose egg as in a zero for Patreon contributors, and that can really crush your soul, and that's what I'm worried about. And so the other thing, unless you organized a focus group, you may not be delivering value. I'm going to play you a clip of Jordan Harbinger in the in a second here, but so you're not delivering value yet because you're kind of trying to figure things out, but yet you're asking for value in return. That seems a little off-centered. And for the record, your mom is not a focus group. Okay. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize is if you are doing like, wow, like, oh my gosh, this is great. A lot of people think if I could only get, I don't know, 50% of my audience, not a hundred percent, 50% of my audience to join my campaign and they all gave me a dollar and you're only going to get about 3%. Uh, the best I've ever heard is 10 but nowhere near 50. 50 is a pipe dream. So keep that in mind that if you have a hundred listeners, that means you might, you maybe, if you're doing really good, get three people. And according to Patreon, the most popular tier for patrons is two to $5. So enjoy your $15. Now, granted, we all got to start someplace, but again, I'm just trying to make sure you are aware because the lack of patrons can damage your attitude and make you want to quit your podcast. Because if the sole reason, the absolute, the only reason you are doing this podcast was to quickly make money, don't. Just don't. So I was listening to an episode of the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan's been on this show. Really super nice guy, super smart. and. I was listening to, he does interviews on Monday and Wednesday, and it's all about getting you to think. It's kind of a self-improvement show without being completely kind of self-improvement-y, if that's even a thing. And uh, he, on Feedback Friday, he was talking about his show. Now, Jordan gets, are you ready for this? Millions of downloads per episode. He's awesome. 
And he works really hard at this. He's also been doing it for probably close to a decade. And he talked about the early days of starting a podcast because he had somebody who said, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I just can't. I need a nudge to get going. And here was Jordan's response. And I'm playing this with permission. Thanks to Jen and Jordan for letting me play this. It's a really great, great clip. And I want to piggyback on this, but check this out. I've been sitting on some content for almost two years and just can't seem to find a way to get started. Sincerely, maybe it's not good enough. What this sounds like to me is fear of rejection. What's your goal with the content? If it's just hobby stuff, you're fine. You have nothing to lose. Publish it already. The problems come when your goal is to become some kind of influencer and get some result with the content. Then you put expectations on yourself. And if those expectations aren't met, you feel like a failure. And then you avoid putting the content to the test because you're afraid of the failure. What motivated me to start was simply that I was interested in the content and I kept teaching it to people informally. You know, I'd go to a bar or something like that and talk with my friends about it. I never wanted this show to be a business. I never wanted to be an influencer of any kind. I never thought this would be my career. I'm beyond excited and happy that it is, but I never planned on it. And that was great because we didn't check our podcast stats for like six years, you know, more than once every three or four months because it didn't matter. And I suggest you stop placing any sort of pressure on yourself for any sort of outcome. Publish, share, continue to publish and hone your craft because honestly, truth be told, your early stuff's not gonna be that great. It's just not. So start sharing it and realize it's not that great and realize you're gonna get feedback and realize you might build a small audience or not. Nobody listens to the first decade of the show, right? I mean, that's fine. There's some good stuff in there, but it's few and far between. Just listen to the new stuff. The whole point of rebranding and everything and starting over was it's a rebirth. You know, you're gonna have to do that throughout your career. Content sitting around unpublished is a waste because nobody learns from it and you never improve. You never improve and you never find an audience if that's what you're after. I think if you decide that you're just you're just doing this for fun, it's never gonna be any sort of business probably, then you'll have no problem publishing. This is like dating. You ever wonder why you can talk to women when you have a girlfriend or then you get married? You have no agenda, so it's easy it's fine, there's no outcome, there's no pressure. If you do the same for your content in the beginning, you can always decide later that you're gonna go for it. In the beginning, you have no idea what's gonna happen, so fixing your eyes on some goal or outcome is actually just a waste of time. I know everyone's like, you should always have goals. No, this is a hobby. This is not your job. If you're trying to make your hobby your job, you're gonna run into problems. Spend the next few years honing your craft. This is a long game if you ever want it to be anything. And I heard that and I literally, I grabbed my phone. I instantly took a screenshot and said, I've got to use that in a podcast somewhere. And the thing that really jumped out at me is think about the added pressure, the added pressure of not just trying to grow your audience, but trying to monetize your audience. And that's where I went, you know what? And and one of the things I love about, I work for Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. It's short for liberated syndication, by the way. Use the coupon code SOP free at Libsyn to get a free month of hosting is I get to see a wide range of, of problems. And I love that because then I help you avoid these problems. And I don't know that this is a problem, but I had somebody contact me and they said, Hey, how do I connect my podcast to Patreon? And I went over and they had one episode and they had a family-sized number of downloads. And I just thought, oh, this could end poorly. 
based on this person's attitude. And that's what kind of inspired this. I was like, wait a minute, you have, you just, in fact, you're not even in Apple Podcasts yet. And you've already worked out your Patreon. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm worried again. This is my whole point. If, if this is your strategy, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying you're added additional pressure. It's, it's another thing you have to work on in addition to making great content, in addition to promoting your show. You, you are kind of spending your resources and time putting together this Patreon account. Now, granted, once you do that, it's kind of a set it and forget it. Now, if you have sort of things where it's like, hey, if you, uh, like for mine, if you subscribe at uh, patreon.com slash Dave Jackson, if you give me $10 a month, I will put a link to your website on the Ask the Podcast Coach Show website. If you give me $20 a month, I will give you a shout out in the show on Ask the Podcast Coach. We'll realize that every time somebody moves or changes their patronage, I have to go in and change the website. I I do a, a PowerPoint slide during my presentation because it's live. Uh, I've got to change that now. And again, these are things that take time away from promoting my show and making my show better. Now, is that a problem? I don't know. I don't know how much free time you have. But I just thought about that. The added pressure of, oh, my gosh, I'm on episode seven and I haven't made a dime yet. And I thought about all the things when I started playing the guitar. Well, really, I tried to play when I was five, but I really picked it up when I was about 10. And I just thought it was cool. And I just wanted to to play with it. And I thought my brother was cool and my brother played it. So I wanted to do what he did. I didn't realize that. In about six years, I was going to start making money with it. When I ride my bike in the summer, I don't think I'm someday going to go to the Tour de France. And I think sometimes we should try to do podcasting for fun because it's a hobby. And I think we all, a lot of the Facebook groups are like, hey, I see Joe Schmo making money. How do I do that? Well, I see Taylor Swift making money as a musician, but I don't think I'm Taylor Swift. I see Tom Brady making money as a quarterback. I'm not trying to be Tom Brady. And if I did, I wouldn't expect to get Tom Brady's money six weeks after trying to play football. That's a good analogy, Dave. That one just came right out of my butt. And that's what people are trying to do. And when you don't, that's when you go, oh, this doesn't work. And that's my prediction for 2019. I think, I don't know if we're going to hear this or not, but I believe this is what's going to happen. I think you're going to have people that are going to start a podcast for the sake of making money quickly, and they're going to start and quit very quickly. And I know right now people are like, hey, you can start a show on Anchor and make money. Yeah, it's about, you know, maybe a penny a download, and that's actually very high for a podcast. Many times it's like 0.006 cents per download. So, and when you only have 28 downloads, that means you made 28 cents and you just spent hours on your podcast. That again can crush your attitude. And I don't want to see your attitude crushed. I want you set up to make sure that you have content that's going to engage your audience, knowing Knowing that years from now, 
you're better than you were, even though you spent this time setting it up because you're going to learn things about your audience. Next week, I'm going to do an episode about how do you know your content is connecting? And I got to tell you, I'm so looking forward for you to hear that. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, you will never miss an episode. And I've got links there for Google and Apple and all the above. It's going to be a really cool episode. But no matter what you do when you first start, eventually when you listen to those episodes, you're going to go, Ugh. I was listening to an episode of Ask the Podcast Coach from 2013. Hoofa, was that bad? Why? Because I was new to doing things live. You're just going to get better. And so for me, instead of having that pressure of trying to make money, I was just doing it for fun. And then Jim Collison from TheAverageGuy.tv said, hey, Dave, you ever thought of a co-host? And I'm like, I don't know, might be fun. So maybe you should start off and see if it's fun because there are so many other ways to enjoy podcasting, to have rewards in podcasting that have absolutely nothing to do with money. Let's go the other way. All right, Dave. I understand what you're saying. I have my attitude in check. I realize that I'm probably not going to make any money when I first start off with my podcast. And I realize it's going to take extra time. And I realize there's going to be pressure, but I'm not worried about the pressure because I'm not worried about it. I just put it there in case somebody wants it. When do I dump Patreon? And that's where I go. Look at, I've talked about this book in the past. It's called, I Can't Make This Up, Life Levens from the comedian Kevin Hart. And if you launch with a Patreon campaign and you have next to nobody signing up, then I say, do what Kevin Hart did when he would be rejected. He would say he was going to go back and work on his comedy so that he was going to be so funny that you could not ignore him. He worked on being good, not on getting paid. This is a guy that in the early years of his career would drive from Philadelphia to New York City to sit in a club for hours for the chance to do a five-minute presentation. This took hours. And every weekend for years, he spent hours in a car for a chance to do five minutes for free. And many weekends, he drove for hours and didn't get to perform. It took years for him to hone his craft. Now, fast forward, that guy's an A-list celebrity. He makes a new movie about every other week. So consider this. When do I dump Patreon? Well, I guess every book I've said, I've read, and every person I talk to, it seems like three years is where things start to pick up. Sometimes it's sooner, but sometimes it's not. But after three years of delivering content that you can't get anyplace else, if it's been three years of making people laugh, cry, think, groan in an entertaining fashion, if it's been three years of interacting with your audience to ensure, to ensure that you know you are delivering value, if you don't have any patrons, then hang it up. Also realize that for many people on Patreon, this is when you see these people that are making money on, this is just one, one of the multiple ways they are making money. It's not their sole way of generating income. And like I said, at the beginning of this episode, people that are trying to get into podcasting for fast money, they're just making a mistake. And I'm trying, it's not that I don't want you to start a podcast. I don't want you to get into it and just get crushed from a mental capability. 
I want you to have fun because I know that podcasting can change your life. And I know you can change your listener's life. I've seen it happen over and over and over. So I'm not trying to stop you from starting a podcast. I want you to come in with both eyes wide open so that you don't get hurt. In the same way that if, you know, somebody, you you meet uh, uh, somebody in a club or a supermarket or whatever, and you're like, wow, this person is attractive. Holy cow. And then your best friend says, oh, I know that person. You better watch out because I've seen this. And sometimes that person's not a great person to be in a relationship with. This is where I'm saying, hey, I've seen this whole get quick, you know, rich, quick thing. You know what I'm talking about. My mouth is not going to work today. I'm just saying you ought to be a little leery about that. I, I was making radio shows for fun. If, if everybody does it, at least everybody I know, does, shut up. Now you might be thinking, but Dave, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because I've heard you on this very program say, if you're going to run your podcast as a business, you need to run it as a business. And here you're saying, maybe you should start it off as a hobby. Which one is it, Dave? And my answer is yes. <laughs> so if you're going to run it as a hobby, run it as a hobby, but just realize if you run it as a business, you might be taking some of the fun out of it because it's added pressure. So I actually did some quick research here I want to share with you. If you are a venture-backed company, you ready for this? This just sounds like I'm here to pee in your Cheerios. 75% of venture-backed startups, are you listening, anchor people? That's 75% um, fail. That's when you have money. That's amazing. That is from an entrepreneur.com article from February 2017. Uh, another one says, this is from Small Biz Trends. Now, this one's from May 15th of 2018. Founders of a previously successful business. So you've had a previously successful business have a 30% chance of success with their next venture. 30%. I was successful with the last one. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Okay. Founders who have had a failed uh previous business have a 20% chance of succeeding and 18% of first-time entrepreneurs uh, have success. Now, if you want to do the reverse engineering on that, that means uh, 82% of entrepreneurs the first time fail. And again, I'm not here to dash your dreams or smash your goals or things like that. I just want you to go in with your eyes wide open And realize that many businesses, A, are not using Patreon. They're selling products. That's the most profitable way of making money is selling a product or a service. And then some people make money with advertising. That's, again, only going to make any sense if you have a hyper niche or you got tons of downloads. So keep that in mind. And then what do you do if I'm an inspirational kind of podcast? Well, there's no product that I can think of. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I often am. But I can't think of any product that fits into that just, oh, wow, this is great. You just spray it on and it gives you inspiration. I don't know that that works. Uh, you know, So there are certain genres that are hard, and those people can turn to Patreon. And I'm here to say, okay, but just keep in mind some of these things. And I've got suggestions. I do have a a course at the School of Podcasting about generating money with your podcast. And we're going to be talking about Patreon over there within that particular area. But again, I just want to make sure you're not jumping in to make quick money 
and adding extra pressure that can suck the fun out of your podcast because podcasts are a lot of fun. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. The other night, I was trying to make a graphic for my YouTube channel, which I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But I went to YouTube and typed in a bunch of videos and watched them. And I, after about the fifth video, I went, you know, I keep hearing about this one place that I can pay for. And I went over and I gave him 15 bucks. And uh, lo and behold, there it was exactly what I needed. And I had my image done. My point being that if you're ready to start a podcast, quit banging your head against the wall. Quit being afraid to stick your toe in the water. I'm here to help you. I want to be your guide and I can help you learn the right stuff. I've actually been working today with someone via my live chat, which I have for the School of Podcasting. You have priority email support, and of course you have our awesome Facebook group. So you have courses, you have coaching, and you have Facebook groups that are private. So it's a very safe place to share your ideas and your thoughts. So if you're ready to start a podcast and get going in the right direction, if you have a podcast and you're ready to make it grow, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. And I've got multiple plans for multiple budgets. All right. I want to compare two tools for you. One of the things that can get your podcast noticed, besides a great headline, by the way, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash headlines, we've got a resource that in some cases can help you triple your downloads by just having a better headline. And you know why that is? I thought about this. When we watch TV or we listen to the radio, all we have to do is turn it on and it's on. When you go to a podcast page, because it's bad, I don't know, juju, is that, hopefully that's not a, is that a slur or something? It's bad mojo. It's bad practice on the internet to have things automatically start when you go to their website because, you know, you're, you're at work. You want to go listen to Dave's show. You go to schoolofpodcasting.com and all of a sudden, you know, episode 646 comes on and now everybody knows that Harold is not really working on the widget report and Harold is never going to go back to your website at work. So it's not good to have things automatically start. So how do we get people to start our podcast is through great headlines. And in some cases, how do we capture their attention, especially on things like YouTube? Now, I know we're here to talk about podcasting, but I kind of learned this lesson from watching some YouTube people. Graphics can grab people's attentions. It can tie into their emotions. And all we want them to do is click so that they can start to listen. And once they start to listen, hopefully they'll then subscribe. So I say that to say I've been playing with Canva, C-A-N-V-A. This is a free tool that you can use to make really killer graphics. And so I was like, all right. And I've been using it for a while. I actually upgraded to Canva for work. Now, what this gives you is access to 400,000 free photos. Now, for the record, there are still times when I go in there and the photo that I want is a buck. Now, granted, if you've ever gone to these other stock image sites, it's rarely a dollar for an image. It's like three, five, ten, twenty dollars for an image for a single image. It also has a tool where you can go in and say, Hey, 
take this image I just made and give me one for Pinterest, give me one for Facebook, and give me one for whatever, and it will resize all the, your one image to match those. Then you just go in and tweak it. It's pretty cool. But I'd heard about this other one called Snappa, and it's S-N-A-P-P-A. And if you want to check them out, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Snappa. And they have a free version, 600,000 HD photos and graphics, and they have a bunch of templates. And this is where I was thinking of leaving Canva for Snappa because I was trying to make a image for my YouTube channel. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash DaveTube, that'll take you right over there. And uh, Canva has the right dimensions, but graphics on YouTube are weird. Like the one for the very top of your YouTube channel, you have to have this big giant image. And then the part that actually shows up on screen is in the middle. And with Canva, you had to guess, where do I put the actual image in the middle here? Snappa let me show it had a template, which was very cool. Canva did not. And I went, huh, maybe this Snappa thing is better. And so I looked at it and you can have a free account. You have uh, just one person on it, 600,000 photos, 5,000 templates to choose from, of which I'm sure one is Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. And you get five downloads a month. That's pretty cool. And then they have two social accounts, which I have no idea what that is because I don't deal with social through my graphic program. Uh, and I looked at it and then if I went to the free or the non-free version, $15 a month, again, 600,000 photos. So I'm not gaining anything in photos. I'm not getting any templates. I get unlimited downloads, unlimited social accounts. And so I went in and can't, I'm just going to jump to the case here. Jump to the case. What does that mean? I'm going to jump to the end. I'm going to cut to the chase. There we go. Cut to the chase. Jump to the end. Canva's better. And here's why. Yes, they they do not make it easy to create a YouTube image. So go over to Snappa, make your one YouTube, uh, whatever that thing's called at the top, for free, and you're done. But Canva, especially if you're using the paid version, which is $12.95 a month, and again, both these have a free version, I really like the fact, especially if you haven't started using Canva 2.0, it's really cool. You have folders now to organize your graphics, uh, as well as the ones that like I have pictures of me and my logos and things like that are in separate folders. It just makes things easy. You can make a template over there, which you can do with Snappa as well. But just if you compare apples to oranges here, uh, Canva just beats it. And I thought for a second, is that because I've been using Canva for a while? And not really. I actually went over and looked at some of the things that Snappa lets you do. And I thought, well, Snappa lets me put in a background and then change the color and maybe have a color overlay. You can do that in Canva. And so if you're making graphics on the cheap, what you can do is have a Canva account for free. You can have a Snappa account for free. And there's one other one, Adobe Spark, which is at spark.adobe.com. I don't have links to all these out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 654. I am finding that many of them share whatever giant database of free pictures. It might be from Pixabay, which again, I'll have links to that out in the show notes, but you could actually have a free account in all of these and probably always end up with the graphic you're looking for. So I just wanted to share that. I've been playing with it. And I started hearing more and more people talk about Snappa and it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I just think Canva is better. Ooh, zing. Hey, this is Doug from King's X. And if you like what you hear, go tell someone and may the groove be with you. 
Next episode is going to be a mega episode. It's a mega episode where I've interviewed a bunch of people and I've asked them, how do you know your content is connecting with your audience? If you want to get it the minute it's available, schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. And the minute that's available, it will be coming down to your device. Thanks so much for listening. Take care until next week. Class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Again, Canva is free. Snappa is free. And so is Adobe Spark, which is it spoke, spoke, spark, speak, spark. Yeah, I can't speak. Yeah.